Welcome to the Stronger Than Autoimmune podcast. I'm your host, Desiree Worland. As an autoimmune warrior myself, I understand that day-to-day, even moment-to-moment, living with autoimmunity isn't easy. You're not alone. This podcast is to give hope to living with an autoimmune disease. I will interview individuals living with autoimmune disease along with experts and businesses to help provide knowledge and hope. Before I introduce my next guest, here is an ad that made this podcast possible. In this week's episode, it is my pleasure to introduce you to David Rose as ultra-rare disease patient, speaker, and advocate. For eight years, he has been advocating his ultra-rare condition called occipital horn syndrome. As marketer and business developer of Rare Revolution magazine, he has been able to broaden the voice of patients with rare conditions. When he is not marketing or advocating, he is volunteering at Great Ormond Street Hospital. I brought him on the show to share his journey of resilience. So let's get started. Hey, David, thank you for your time and joining on Stronger Than Autoimmune. Thank you very much. Uh, Pleasure pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. Where are you connecting from? So we, we moved kind of right at the very start of COVID. So we're just on the edge of London. So I kind of grew up in Cambridge and then a bit of back and forth between Cambridge and London. And then now I live in an area called Essex. So it's kind of like the sort of the greater suburbs of London, you could say. Yeah. Well, congratulations on your new move, move and your house. <laughs> it's, it's a lot better. So yeah, we're very happy where we are. So we're all good. A little bit more space, which is important. Oh, yeah. yeah you gotta have <laughs> some space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some elbow room. <laughs> definitely. definitely. <laughs> Yeah. Before we get started into Rare Revolution magazine, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So I'll keep it shorter and you can you can fire away some other questions. But um, my name is David Rose. Uh, I'm 33 and I'm living with an ultra rare condition called occipital horn syndrome. Uh, it's very rare. There's only me in the UK as far as I know. Um, and I found uh, six other people globally. So it's not not very many of us. Um, I've been working in the rare disease space for about four years now um, and doing a lot of volunteering a bit before then so probably about 10 years I've been doing stuff kind of broadly in disability and rare disease Um, my background that's completely different so when I was a bit younger um, I was at university I studied economics and business wanted to work in finance in London Um, I, I did it for a bit but didn't really work out kind of health sort of my health kind of got in the way of that um, so I had to kind of reassess things. So my, my life took a bit of a different different path, I guess you could say. Um, but I've enjoyed it. I think it's been something that maybe I was meant to meant to be doing, I guess. I'm not, you know, I'm not religious or I'm not kind of spiritual, but I feel like I probably was meant to be working um, in this space. I think, you know, working in an industry where you're passionate about because you care about it so much and, you know, living with a rare disease every day, I think, it makes you think a little bit different so it's nice to be kind of connected with lots of other people you know different rare diseases and different disabilities so it's not the job kind of that I expected that I would be doing I'll be, I'll be entirely honest I didn't think I'd be working in this space but um, I think it was a, a good decision and I've met a lot of people with other different disabilities and rare diseases that also chose to work in this space so there's quite a lot of us. <laughs> yeah yeah it seems it, it does seem like the right fit because you're able to speak to it and connect <laughs> with 
people that also feel the same way because so many times you feel so isolated. I mean, at least with my illness, uh, connected with my my husband and my other family members that don't have, like you said, you have to reevaluate your what you really want to do. Yeah, so. it's I think as well. Um, you know, so many people that I've met. You know, I'm fortunate through my from my work and everything that I've met lots of people, kind of all you know, all over America and rest of Europe and other parts of the Middle East and things. And you know, we can all have different. You know, you and I have got different conditions, uh, and we live in different countries. But I, I guarantee, like a lot of our experiences will overlap. You know, whether it's about accessing medical care or like the impact it's had on our friendships and relationships or working life, you know, you can have completely different conditions, but so much of it overlaps still because a lot of the challenges that you'll face will be similar as well. Yeah, absolutely. And can you share more about what your rare syndrome is, if you don't mind? Yeah, sure. So um, I think it's, you know, I've been living it for obviously all of my life. I had the actual diagnosis um, seven years ago. So it's kind of, Heart, it was kind of three different things it's it's a copper deficiency that's technically technically what it is um but it's also a connective tissue disorder and it's also a mitochondrial thing so it's basically kind of three elements to it um you know i'm still learning about it all the time and it's quite um difficult to manage because you know when i was diagnosed with it um after all the genetic testing it was always the same sort of thing like you know don't google it too much don't dig into it too much but you know, even me looking on Google, there really wasn't much out there anyway. So even if I wanted to be nosy, I couldn't find it. <laughs> so, and obviously I keep an eye on it over the years and just see if anything's changed. And like, there's very, very little information on it. So it's quite hard for me to learn about it because most of the experiences, sorry, most of what I've learned has, has really come through my own experiences. And, you know, my body's changing a little bit all the time. And I've kind of noticed things that are a little bit different in my 30s to what they were in my kind of late late teens and early 20s so it's always something that is on my mind but it's it's so difficult to find out more about it so that's one of the sort of frustrating parts of living with such an ultra rare condition is that you know there's no community as such there's no charity that exists there's no research into it it's very it's very isolating so everything you have to try and learn really comes from comes from you so yeah Yeah. is and it sounds like you forming these relationships with those other six people globally yeah. is is good for you so you can kind of share notes and figure out is this is this what's going on with you yeah because you know i always uh, have joked to my dad before like he you know years ago he was like oh i think social media is rubbish and now he's like all over facebook and he he, he loves social media i think but you know, joking aside, 20 years ago, we wouldn't have connected because obviously I've met them on, on Instagram and LinkedIn and different places. So, you know, without social media, I wouldn't have had that connection. And it's especially in these kind of ultra rare conditions like mine, like social media is so important because the bigger conditions will all have charities they'll all have kind of big networks and you'll meet people in your day to day life eventually with, with the same conditions. You, but the people that have, you know, these really kind of ultra rare conditions where there isn't community as such and there's no sort of infrastructure you have to find these people yourself and I think that you know I feel very thankful that I've met them and you know we're not like we don't speak every day or anything it's not like not that close but we're yeah. we're still aware of each other and we kind of check in every now and then it's not like you know it's not every day but um you know I've asked them questions they've asked me questions and you know we all live in different countries and we're kind of like I said earlier like we all live in different places but 
you know we're all kind of experiencing the same thing and I think you know especially during COVID like people have you know in our sort of very very small community have found it hard kind of accessing care and finding what's going on because of you know there's very sort of minimal healthcare at the moment even still um so yeah it's been a learning curve and I think that you know although we're not that close it's been nice to have them because they're the closest I'll get to you know my own condition really yeah so what are some conditions of occipital horn syndrome that you're as, as in what, what's it similar to do you mean or what what symptoms yeah what what symptoms did you are you feeling right now because you said that they've changed throughout your years yeah so. yeah so it's um so the when i was maybe it's a bit of context so when i was three um i was originally diagnosed with something called erlos danlos syndrome which is another um rare disease but it's kind of becoming a lot more well known now and you know lots of people are starting to get diagnosed it which is really good because when i was three i was told oh you probably won't meet anybody with alastanus in your life and through my kind of professional work i've probably met well over 100 people with that condition so now it's still rare but it's it's definitely a lot more common than people think it actually is which is great so like people are becoming more aware of it so that's what i was originally diagnosed with and that's a connective tissue disorder um so it's kind of you know affects everything it's your whole kind of muscular skeletal system so um i don't really have this part but lots of people dislocate um sort of every day almost or sublax it's um is like the other part of it so i'm quite lucky in that respect but my whole kind of muscular skeletal system looks a bit different um you can't really see it because i'm wearing a hoodie at the moment but my, my elbows and shoulders are kind of uh, almost like permanently dislocated so they're kind of the other way around and then my wrists are the same and uh, my ankles and knees are the same so um yeah lots of problems with sort of muscles and bones and all the kind of cartilage and everything kind of affects everything so um and having a sort of very sort of slight frame it looks very obvious you can kind of really see it so I would call it like a hidden disability but it's also a visible disability as well in the same respect um so yeah lots of lots of pain with sort of joints and muscles I've always had that growing up um it didn't I think as I got older it's got worse anyway but I think when you're a child with you know I've, I've always known to have a rare disease as a child but um even still like whenever I kind of experience oh like my legs hurt my arms hurt or I get tired easily everyone's like oh it's just kind of growing pains like is I think so many people get dismissed of that growing up especially sort of like teenage years it's always like you know it's just a growing thing that's all it is um so yeah lots of problems with anything kind of like muscular base so I try to use the gym um as much as possible I've got much better at going again I had a long long time off from it I think so uh, <laughs> got myself back into it which I'm thankful for I know I should be doing it three or four times a week to try and help and you know with physio and and swimming and things like that so that kind of helps a little bit with the the muscular side not not that much but I think mentally it helps as much as anything else um but I guess the kind of the real problems in some ways or the more more dangerous things I guess are all the internal things I've had lots of problems with my my bladder, my kidney, heart, like lungs, bowel, small intestine, kind of almost everything really, um, because the connective tissue is obviously inside your body as well. Right. And obviously the same. So kind of every organ is affected in some way. And um, yeah, lots of mostly sort of bladder and kidney have been the main problems over the years. And um, I've been using a catheter for 25 years, um, had my left kidney removed, I've had sepsis about seven times and all these different mm -hmm. things. So kind of have been kind of in that hospital all the time just you, you become very used to it and you come kind of desensitized to it very quickly as well that's the other thing so 
I've not, you know, because I've always been unwell from pretty much day one, you know, I've been, you know, poorly for just over 30 years now. So I don't, I don't really know any different. So I'm kind of just used to it, but every day is, you know, painful in some respects and it's tiring. So the fatigue is quite bad and yeah. Like, and obviously the, something that I didn't really kind of acknowledge for a long time. And I think this is probably a male thing. I think we're quite bad at this is acknowledging like mental health as well. And I was very much dismissive of that. I didn't really think about it and didn't, you know, I think a lot of men are bad at talking about health anyway, and especially yeah. mental health, like that's a different, <laughs> it's a different, <laughs> thing. So, you know, I'm, I, I was very depressed, I think, in my early 20s and didn't really acknowledge it. Um, and then I realised kind of how depressed I was. And I think I was in quite a bad state mentally, but um, I'm quite proud of myself. I've dragged myself up from where I was. It was quite a bleak part of my life and sort of very frustrated and lots of different emotions really but um you know I still I still have that in my in my mind but I feel a lot kind of better mentally than I did 10 years ago which is good yeah you've been through so much how do you balance this fatigue and all this internal pain or the mm -hmm. things that you go through going to doctors and emergency rooms and your life yeah, it's a good question. I think that um, I probably try to manipulate coffee more than I probably should do, but, <laughs> but it actually works or if it's more of a placebo. But um, yeah, to be honest with you, like I've tried, I think that lots of people, you know, with disabilities and, and health conditions probably tell you the same thing is that we've all tried like a million different routines and things that we've seen online to, you know, to combat the fatigue. And, you know, for me personally, the fatigue is, uh, they're both bad but the fatigue is worse than the pain because mm. for actual actual fatigue there's nothing you can do like it doesn't matter you could sleep for 15 hours it probably wouldn't help it um and that's the difference between like real fatigue and tiredness there's quite a big difference and you know with pain like yes obviously pain can be excruciating but you know you can take very strong painkillers and it will maybe numb it a little bit whereas the fatigue side is really i think the most like physically draining and the most frustrating part of it because you you feel like it's a bit of like a boom and bust you feel and this is probably what I've been told off for before is that when you have like a bet I'm sure you, you know you can resonate with this yourself when you have a, a good day you know i.e maybe not much pain or like fatigue isn't too bad you then try and do like 10 times the amount of work <laughs> things missed and socializing or whatever it is you know, whatever it is you feel like you haven't done you then go way beyond what you should be doing. And then you go from having a good day to having a terrible day because you've gone too far. So it's like, it's so hard to find that balance. That balance, yeah. Yeah, because it also, well, I'd like, again, I don't know how it affects you, but you can't predict it. So sometimes I can kind of predict like the physical pain a little bit. You can kind of sense when your next kidney infection is coming or you can like get a bladder infection or something. You can kind of, when you've lived with it so long, you can kind of almost second guess yourself. but. I find that the fatigue especially really creeps up on me when I don't expect it. Um, and I think that's the fatigue is horrible because it affects, uh, you know, like, you know, doing stuff like socially it affects work, it affects just your whole, like maybe not going to the gym, maybe not seeing friends. Like it's, it's horrible. Like that's the, and, it, and it's so like, it's more than just the fatigue. It's the kind of brain fog that comes with it. It's maybe, you know, I feel quite sick when I'm really tired. I don't want to eat anything. So there's such a huge, like cycle that spins it's, it's i don't know it's hard to explain it in a in a short sentence but hopefully you can kind of decipher <laughs> what i'm trying to no, say no i completely yeah. get you yeah 
it, it definitely is a cycle of, of overdoing and, and then to a point where you're, you overdid it so much. You just don't even leave your bed. Like you said, you don't even want to eat. That is yeah. so exhausting. It is. It's, it's just so difficult because well, there's just nothing you can do. Like it's, there really isn't like, maybe it might exist in our lifetime. There might be a kind of a cure or a treatment for fatigue, but there really doesn't seem to be, and, and also as well, like the problem with the, you know, people that have physical pain obviously will always have fatigue going with that as that's a given. And the other problem is that you're, you know, most people are taking painkillers of some kind and as a side effect, they all make you tired. So it's another cycle of, you know, you need to take stronger pain relief for right. what you're experiencing. But then the more you take them, the more exhausted you are because of, the, you know, because it's, it's another vicious cycle. It's, it's very tough. Yeah. But you do have this position at Rare Revolution Magazine as a business developer and you do do talk. So how do you manage to do all these things and <laughs> take care of yourself and live it's, and have a family? <laughs> yeah, I, it's just it's just kind of, I don't know, it's become a bit of a lifestyle. So obviously, I, you know, as I mentioned, I, di I didn't really sort of plan to work in this space, but I feel like I've kind of ended up here and I'm, you know, I'm grateful and I'm, I think I've, you know, enjoyed it and it's been a cool experience. So um, I, I kind of feel like in a way because of my, my work, it's something that I'm so invested in. And, you know, even like when I'm not working, I'm always looking on Instagram and seeing what's going on and looking at news, like, you know, disability news, science news. I'm always kind of like connected in. So um, it can be a little bit hard to escape it, I guess, because it's not like I'm working in a completely different industry where I can sort of like, oh, I'm done now. I can kind of switch off from it. I think that the 99% of working in rare disease is brilliant, but the 1% is it's quite hard to switch off because you're always thinking about things and you're obviously meeting other people with different rare diseases. And, you know, sometimes it's quite you know, sad experiences and quite um like uncomfortable things but and you read a lot of stuff and you kind of resonate with that so it's quite hard to you know most like literally 99.9% .9 of it is amazing but that very small percentage is quite hard because you you're constantly then whether you're realizing you're doing it or not you're still thinking about stuff and it's it's if you're having like if I'm having a bad day physically like it's quite hard to escape it because I'm reading about other people that are having mm. similar experiences and things so it's, that can be quite tough but you know I absolutely like love working in this space and I think that every day like it sounds sort of very cliche but it's inspiring like seeing other people doing stuff whether that's you know patients and, and patient groups or whether it's like researchers people that work in like pharmaceuticals I feel like you know being involved in this space I'm kind of seeing everything happen and all the amazing like advancements in science that I don't understand I'll be honest with you after but <laughs> I just feel like in all of these people that are trying to help everyone out there with different health conditions. So it makes you feel quite thankful that there's a lot of people like in our corner that are, you know, incredibly intelligent people that are, you know, inventing things and, you know, finding treatments and finding new medications and everything like that. So um, I think, you know, working in this space and seeing that all the time, although I don't necessarily benefit from it because I don't have um, any treatment for my condition. There's no sort of research interest. There's no academic interest. I feel like thankful for people that have maybe more common conditions that are, you know, seeing lots of progress. So yeah, I think like I've, I've gone way off at a tangent, but I think kind of man <laughs> no, man you're fine. Um, 
is is that is that I don't it's 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 my my job but I think because it's become a lifestyle and I'm always like even at weekends I'm still seeing what's going on I'm always like looking on yeah Instagram TikTok whatever it is and I don't really switch off from it so that's how I've juggled it if I had a job where I was working in an office doing something else I probably wouldn't manage it as well so I think mm-hmm. actually helped me work in this space plus my job is incredibly flexible which makes a huge difference you know I'm very lucky and I'm very aware that not every career path would be like that and not everyone would have uh, employers so understanding as mine are so that makes a huge difference like if I was working in a sort of toxic work environment it wouldn't work so I'm, I'm very lucky that I've got people around me and and uh, great colleagues that you know generally are, are so helpful and make a big difference so yeah, yeah. It it just integrates into your life. But I think it sounds like and I can tell you really do enjoy it because you were smiling the whole time and you even went off on a tangent explaining <laughs> what you do and how it just integrates. I yeah. think the hard part is what you said is is hearing those really sad stories mm-hmm. and it really affects you because you you want to do more. But yeah. it sounds like you're very grateful for the research and the brilliant scientists and people out there helping. Yeah, I think just to add to it as well, I think like obviously I do quite a lot of talks um, like around you know, living with a rare condition. Either the most of the time it's not necessarily about what my condition is. It's only a very brief part. Most of it is a kind of similar conversation to what we're having, like how it's affected like friendships and work life and all the other things, because like you know I love doing that but again every time I'm retelling that story I happen to kind of like dig things up that I maybe didn't want to talk about so much but it's like it's quite cathartic because it's good to talk about it and it's the more open you are well for me I find the more open I've been the better because I'm not I used to be quite a closed book like years ago whereas now I'm very open because if it helps you know if it helps one person with a different condition to me and reading what I've done and what I try and do if that helps one person that's good enough for me so that's why I do it yeah yeah and go back it goes back to what what you said you you know you were depressed you were in a very dark place because you didn't have that connection it sounds like Mm. and now that you know that you you're that advocate for other people you're you're making those connections and helping others yeah, cause I think just to add as well, so um, when I was like obviously kind of coming out to the end of university, I'd never, I'd never really done any of the sort of like volunteer work or anything. So when I was 23, 22, something like that, um, I started volunteering for Great Ormond Street. So that's for um, people that don't know, it's a really famous paediatric hospital in London. It's kind of like our big rare disease centre really for children with, you know, different disabilities and rare diseases. So um, I spent a lot of time growing up there as a patient, you know, from very little up until kind of 18, 19. So I wanted to try and give something back and I didn't have the money. To, you know, I didn't have any money to donate to them or anything. But, um, you know, I started donating my time. I started becoming involved in various panels and groups and um, did a few talks for the, the charity as well. And that kind of like really boosted me because before then I never really had like I've always been very lucky I've had lots of friends growing up at different schools and universities and things and and working but I never really had that connection with people with other disabilities because it's you know all of my friends apart from maybe one or two of them at school all were just like the average healthy person so I didn't have anybody that I could really connect with that was having lots of operations or being in hospital all the time so when I started volunteering the people that I met were all kind of ex-patients as well like me so 
they do you know we all have different conditions but i've been friends with them for like seven or eight years now um and become really close to them and i think that that i never had that connection before i've always had brilliant friends but i never had that kind of like you know disabilities sort of healthcare related connection so that's made a huge difference i think yeah yeah having connection pulls you through in the dark times i think yeah, yeah it does it does and i think that again like the, the social media part makes a big difference so um i kind of like dip in and out of it a little bit i don't use it kind of as much as maybe other people might use it but you know, just the connections that I've made up like on my Instagram and LinkedIn and things like they've been really powerful. They might not even realize it if any of them listen to this, but um, like genuinely it's made like just the little interactions that even if it's just about like silly things like about me posting about a dog or something like just little <laughs> things. It's just nice to have like different connections all, o- all over the world and just little interactions make a big difference because it's it just brightens up your day a little bit rather than kind of going through the same like monotonous like path, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I completely understand. I laugh because I think we had that same conversation (laughs) about your dog. (laughs) Yeah. So if you don't mind, do you want to segue more into what you, what Rare Revolution magazine is? Yeah, sure. Um, So it was founded by um, two sisters and uh, they've been running a patient group. So um, one of them's son has a, a rare skin condition called Xeradoma pigmentosa um, and they've been running a patient group for the last I think maybe 10 years now um, and obviously realized a few years ago that there wasn't you know a rare disease publication that existed so that was the logic behind setting it up so it's been going yeah for a, a long time now um, I was the first person they employed four and a bit years ago um, so it's been really awesome to watch the team grow and lots of new people come in which has been really good fun getting to know everyone and can I, you know, connecting and it's nice because everyone like pretty much everyone has a connection to rare disease in some way and I think that you don't obviously you don't have to but it just it's nice to have other people like kind of that understand it and you know realize what it's like living with different rare diseases and what that kind of entails so um yeah you know the magazine is, is fantastic and um it's a digital publication so there's no cost involved anyone can read it like any part of the world um maybe i can send you a link to um for people to open it if they want to have a check it out so Absolutely. we do like four main publications a year um they're normally split so we do like a couple that are kind of uh, specific to certain conditions so maybe like one on rare epilepsy we've done rare cancers rare kidney conditions that kind of thing and then the other half are more kind of conversation things so um like big topics in rare disease we've done one on the transition from pediatric to adult healthcare, which is a big thing. We've done ones on gene therapy, you know, lots of different things. So that's kind of the main structure. And we do like rare disease day editions and other kind of supplements. So um, it's a great, you know, it's a great initiative. I think, you know, the fact that it's free as well to read and in, in any part of the world, so there's no barriers behind it whatsoever. I think that's really important because, you know, everyone should be able to access uh, information that's out there. And, you know, hopefully people will, enjoy reading the magazine it's a nice split of people so we have like physicians we have patients we have charities that are in there people that work in the pharmaceutical industry and you know tech companies that are making products for people with rare diseases so it really is a little bit of everything and you know we're based in the uk but we have readers all over the place and lots of people in america and canada and other parts of europe so yeah it's a cool cool publication and yeah yeah, please check it out if you have the time yeah yeah and 
what do you have to do to be part of this magazine or subscribe? Yeah. Yes, you just just subscribe um, from the homepage, and every new edition that comes out, you'll get um, an email uh, reminder. So you can just open it from the link, or you can check out all of our social media channels. So um, one of my colleagues does a great job on our social media platform. So um, if you haven't seen it already, uh, check out. We've um, kind of got everything apart from TikTok, I think, these days. So check out Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, yeah, lots going on. And hopefully you can you know, learn a bit more about things that are going on in rare diseases. And, you know, we share some other things, lots of the charities that we're working with and sharing what they're doing, sharing a bit of news all over the place. And obviously we share all of our own content as well. So there's lots of things to, uh, to keep you entertained. Perfect. Yeah. Um, it, it it sounds like a really, not just a community, but also, like you said, scientists, doctors, mm-hmm. different people coming into charities to all have one place and a voice for rare diseases. Yeah, because I think that's important. I think because I think everyone likes learning from other people because, you know, uh, lots of patients, like, you know, we can find lots of information on Instagram and Twitter and things, but I think a lot of patients wouldn't know necessarily what's happening in the industries so much. So like for them, it's a, it's a great opportunity to find out what scientists are doing, what research is doing, you know, what tech companies are making products and then vice versa. It's the other way around people that are in the, you know, the pharma industries and the tech companies, they can learn a bit more about some of the patient's journeys and what they go through. So I think it's mutually beneficial for everyone, really. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. And Anything you want to share about Rare Revolution magazine? Anything you're you miss you're missing out, um, or you want people to really understand that it's important? Yeah, I, I just think like obviously it's, it's biased because I've worked from, but um, I just think it's it's such a great initiative, and um, like I mentioned that it, like it's it it couldn't be any more like passionate people running it. I think that you know. It, literally everyone in our team is so like dedicated to making a difference and you know one of the other initiatives that I probably should have told you I forgot to say about is um we've got an internship program so lots of people uh, you probably experienced this and heard about this lots of people with different rare diseases and disabilities um struggle with employment you know I've struggled with employment over the years and finding the right employer or people to give you a chance or you know there's lots of different variables that come into it and you know I've met lots of people um of different ages all kind of experiencing the same thing where they've either lost their job because of their health or they've um, been discriminated against or you know could be one of the million different things so something that we launched um, over the last few months is our internship program so the idea is to get companies on board um, and have a pool of uh, potential in- interns so pe- you know, young young people so up to about 27 I think we've cut it off as so um, sadly I'm not young anymore but I've kind of realized that now so that's fine <laughs> I've embraced it fine <laughs> that's um, a wonderful initiative yeah yeah so um you can check I can send you a link to that as well so you can check out um some of the the placements we've got on offer at the moment um so really encourage any any young person living with disability um, from any part of the world is open to anyone because lots of the um, initiatives are going to be remote based anyway so it doesn't really matter um like please come and check it out and um, send a message and we can have a chat about it and obviously any companies that might be listening that might be interested like we've you know most of the companies that we've had on board are kind of science related or healthcare and rare disease related but it could be anything like it's the idea of the program is to give people like a stepping stone into employment you know people might have been 
either underemployed or they've been unemployed for a long time and are desperate to try something or you know people have coming out of university where they've you know done the, their degree but they're worried about their health and they're not sure how they can get into you know their desired industry so try an internship out and see you know there's no I think the, the advantage of internships is that they're not like long experiences like you can see what you like and see how your sort of skills match up and I think it's just a great initiative so um yeah please check the, the internship program out um if you're looking something to you know give an insight into a different industry or if you're just not sure where to kind of turn next um let's have a chat perfect yeah and we're almost towards because uh, I want to be mindful of your mm-hmm. time um we have about eight minutes left is there anything you want to share that you wish people knew about you um yeah i think it's maybe it's a, a strange way of looking at it, but i think um I, I, I mentioned it earlier but um like a lot of men i don't think we'd, we'd spoke about enough about health so um i think because my health is both visible and invisible i think that lots of people don't realize necessarily like especially people that i just met in the street or i've met once for a friend or something I, I think a lot of them don't understand like what I'm going through but my point is that that could be the case for like lots of different people that you that everyone will see on the street every single day so I think my point is that like not everybody knows what everybody else is going through I think that's a really like powerful um way of thinking and I think it's changed my perceptions I think when I was younger I kind of thought the opposite I kind of thought like not in a selfish way but because I'd always had friends that were healthy. I never had any sort of like poorly friends like me. So I always felt like I was a bit, not like special as such, but I always thought like it was just me that was, I didn't really even, re- I didn't even like, that's how silly it is now, but I never really saw the logic in that when I was younger that actually other people were going through this as well, just because I don't know them growing up. I didn't really think about it. So I think just be like, it's really made me so mindful of what other people are experiencing. I think that's something that I really learned about myself is you know I'm guilty of it is probably of not thinking about other people as much and I've, I've really tried to you know, especially the last few years being involved in this space it's made me so much more mindful of, of other people and what they're going for and especially with that you know depression and anxiety is so that's such a hidden thing um for, for the most part and you wouldn't have a clue so yeah. it's really made me mindful of like what anyone else you know anyone else on the street I don't know what they're going for and it's maybe more uh, how do I can't explain it? Um, um, coming away, explain. Basically, it's tried to make me like help other people as much as I can as well. I know that's very cliche, but you know, if I can help somebody in some way, like I, I want to do that more. I think when I was younger, I didn't really feel as much like that. I felt like I was maybe a little bit self-orientated. Whereas now, I try to be selfless, and hopefully, it comes across as that way. I, you know, I want to try and help other people. I've been very lucky that I've had people that have helped me over the years in different ways I think like now is my time to give back and I'm just trying to find out my own ways of what how how I can help I think that's that's my point I've rambled on but um yeah I think I think in my early 30s I think or maybe late 20s I've kind of like reevaluate reevaluate myself a little bit I think having this um this diagnosis of such a rare condition and maybe like being bruised honest I don't you know I don't know what my prognosis is in terms of life expectancy you know there, there was some data that I read it was like 52 or something you know so if that's remotely accurate that's like 20 years so I want to make the most of the time that I potentially have and I think a lot of people with different disabilities live like that anyway because no one knows 
what can happen and your, your health can change very quickly and I've always been quite happy go lucky but I think now I just like couldn't be any more like wanting to help and wanting to actually live like a really fulfilled life I feel like I wasted a bit of my life in my 20s where I kind of didn't not wasted it but I, I didn't really have control of my life as much whereas now I feel like I've got a lot more stability like in everything in in both you know my my living situation and like I've been in a relationship for four years and you know lucky with work and everything else so now I feel much more like grounded in that respect I want to try and do more to help that's kind of my my ultimate aim yeah it sounds like you were in a dark Mm -hmm. in a dark place and now that you are grounded like you mentioned you want to pay it forward to the people that helped you when you were in that dark space yeah I mean you said that in in 10 seconds what I tried to say in five minutes but (laughs) (laughs) that's you're fine (laughs) no that that's wonderful it's great to hear your I mean you talked more than just that you mentioned the process of how you were in your 20s and the thought process and how I mean you said a a real story just because I summed it up in five words okay (laughs) but um I don't know if this will be different. This last question, let me know if it's the same, but what would you go back and tell your younger self? What advice would you tell your younger self? That's, that's an easier one, actually. That's the easiest question to answer. That's probably <laughs> a good way to finish it. I think uh, I was terrible at like comparing myself to other people and I was especially not as much at secondary school. So like, sorry, for context, like secondary school in the UK is from like age 11 to 16. Um, I lose track of what that would be like in other parts, but that's what we call that kind of age. And like your sort of teenage years are such a pivotal time anyway. Um, But weird enough, I didn't really compare myself that much in those ages, but probably from, let's say from 18 to 22, 23, that kind of, uh, we call it sixth form in the UK. um, And then going up to university, that kind of age group, um, I really compared myself then. And that was like, it was so stupid to be like that. But that was when my health was probably at its worst anyway. Uh, my health has always fluctuated. It's always kind of gone up and down, but it just happened to be that, like, annoyingly, the most important part of my academic life was when I had the worst sort of um, physical health point. So, um, I, I, you know, I missed long periods of, of school and of university, and it was very hard to keep up. Um, very proud of myself. I did well. I managed to succeed, like, perfectly fine. But... Um, you know, especially coming to the end of university when people starting to organise their work placements and, you know, other internships and things like we spoke about and graduate schemes. And uh, it was so overwhelming because my health was, I was like only really scraping by to finish my studies. But then watching everybody else, you know, because um, I had international friends from, from university, watching them secure work back in America or in China and different places in Europe. And I felt like I was really being like, uh, like falling behind from everybody else and I, that was quite overwhelming because I should have just focused on my health and you know, just, you know sort of worried about staying, staying alive and staying healthy rather than worrying about anything else but then after that when people started to kind of you know get engaged or buy a house or get a promotion at work or something and I felt because I was living at home at that point and I was not particularly in a good place and my health wasn't good it was so 
demoralizing and I was you know I've always been extremely happy with my friends but like you know I always wanted to be doing it with them as well not you know I always wanted them to succeed and they've all you know they've all done brilliantly and they are continues to do brilliantly but I've always wanted to be like you know keeping up with them and I felt like mm-hmm. I never was and I think everyone is guilty of that and there's no like I knew this anyway I knew deep down I knew this but like now I realize that everyone kind of does their own thing and there's no pressure to do you know to get married by a certain time to have a kid by a certain time all those kind of traditional milestones that people put out like to like put it bluntly it really makes no difference you do you live your own life and I think that now I know that but it was very hard to tell myself that when I was like 20 something and maybe late teens so hopefully that if anybody else is listening to this that is that kind of age or coming up to age like you know be be driven as much as you want and you know try and succeed where you think is possible but like don't worry what your friends are doing like just worry about yourself especially if you're living with different health conditions don't worry about anything else like everything else will fall into place at some point like you just have to be like as positive about it as you possibly can like nothing no don't get me wrong but mine wasn't perfect and I, I never claimed it, it was but I, I've just been sort of grinding out my own luck a little bit to get to where I am now um but like don't honestly don't worry about anything else like if you're focusing on too many things you'll fail with everything because you're too worried you're trying to juggle too many things like just focus on your health or just focus on one thing and then everything else will kind of naturally fall into place I, I worry now that I'm quite lucky things how things worked out so I appreciate that's not the case for everyone but that that would be my advice is really honestly do not stress over what other people are doing and but also be happy for people around you as well don't be negative because you're not doing it be thankful that they're doing it and and know that you'll have your moments at whatever point I think that's really important everyone you know some people flourish in their 20s some in their 40s 60s it, it doesn't matter like your your good times will come I think is what I'm trying to say yeah what beautiful advice I mean this whole conversation with you is so enlightening uh, it, it really was and I enjoy to talk to you and thank you for your time and I know you're about to go off and enjoy um whatever you do you're gonna have, go out this evening okay. so I wish you a wonderful evening and hopefully we we'll keep you. in touch appreciate it. yeah thank you very much for the invite I've had a really nice time talking to you so um some, some great questions and you've made me think about a lot of stuff in a very positive way and you know say if it if it helps some people out there or they find it interesting in some way then that's that's a tick from me that's a a good job done (laughs) thank you It was a pleasure to learn from David and his experiences. If you are needing more connection and resources for a rare disease, check out the show notes below. Thank you for listening. The best way to support the show is to leave a podcast review. Not only do they help promote the show, but they also give other potential listeners an idea of what the show is all about. Also, share the episode with an autoimmune warrior so they too can have hope and be stronger than autoimmune. Until next time, take care.